Welcome to SEC Football <laughs> Live with a giant groan and moan from Mike Bratton. I assume that's because he was wrong about everything last week, and I was right. Aaron was not here for any of that. Jump into the comments, everybody, and we will discuss many things, namely Texas and Alabama in week number two. Huge game coming up, of course, for those two. We've got Ole Miss and AM with interesting tests on the road to quarterbacks, so hotty toddy in the comments already. We've got a couple of late-night Pac-12 SEC showdowns in week two, but a lot to get to from week number one. Uh, how did everybody enjoy week one? Everybody good? Everybody refreshed from a nice, long, like, five straight nights of college football? I mean, I loved it. We're supposed to. Like, uh, you got to love that. And it's really fun in the, you know, I, I like that games are spread out in these earlier weeks so that, you know, we can enjoy it for, it's not all in one day. Yes. Yes. There we go. Mike? How was your weekend, big guy? I almost flew to Ireland. Avoid this damn show. Let's go. I'm, I'm miserable. Highly, highly recommend. Why are you mis? Why are you miserable? Because the SEC embarrassed my ass. They lost every damn game. Well, except for Tennessee, but every important game, they just—I don't know. I, it, it this tells me George is just going to win. Just win it all again. I had so much hope for all these other teams, but all right. Two minutes in, we're already overreacting. That's good. Unless, good. unless Texas A&M can dethrone them. That's my only hope at this point. <laughs> well, how about instead of instead of taking all 14 or 15 weeks of analysis and putting it into like one bad quarter of football for LSU, let's, let's do some real actual analysis here. Because I'm going to say this about LSU. I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I mean, there's concerns about the team. I tried to tell you all last week the secondary was an issue. I tried to tell you all last week Florida State's really effing good. I don't. My perception of LSU has not changed all that much. I think they're a really, really good 10-win football team. I think Brian Kelly's a really good coach. I think Daniels is a solid quarterback. I think they're going to be very good. They're going to challenge every single weekend. They could still win the West. Everything they want to accomplish is still very much in front of them. I, I just think Florida State is that freaking good. And so the defense, it's a concern. But I, I'm not changing my perception of LSU all that much. I still think they can play for everything they wanted to play for this year. I think a lot of it had to do with like when they showed up, like the execution in the first half wasn't great. And so for that reason, they had some play, like some catching up to do in the second half. In the second half, like there, there was not like the sense of urgency that they needed to play with in the second half really at all, in my opinion. I mean, Brian Kelly blamed a lot of that on himself as uh, sometimes coaches take on, you know, it's, uh, it always comes back on the coach, obviously, but he took on a lot of that saying that there were like some coaching challenges, but their, their ability to convert in the red zone, like they're getting to the red zone. It's not like they can't get there. They just weren't capitalizing on those opportunities. So yep. for that reason, I do think well, I'm with you, Braden. I don't think this says a lot about LSU over the course of the entire season because they're getting close enough. They just have to close. You have to close those opportunities and, and convert it to points on the scoreboard. Braden hated the SEC last week. Now he's propping them back up. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> or reality <laughs> i don't are you, are you reality, gonna be sir are you gonna be okay i live Mike? in the sticks in a duplex this is reality <laughs> is not real to me you know what i mean things are different this year you're suggesting I, um, yeah I, I mean hell i think colorado might win the national championship how, how stupid mm. would that be uh that would be quite dumb uh that would be quite dumb i would agree with you on that one i, I mean you, you have to acknowledge though that like that was just two elite teams in the top 10 florida state got the better of them and we can we we can move on and say, look, LSU's got just as good a chance to win everything they were planning on winning this year today as they did on Friday of last week. Like there's there's no real change 
in what LSU is. They've got to solve some problems. But I'm telling y'all, Florida State is going to play for the national championship. I tried to tell y'all last week. I'm going to tell you again. They are that good. No, I'm concerned. They they got embarrassed. They quit. The offensive line I thought was going to be a strength. They couldn't get any push, particularly on the goal line. Uh, you got LSU people now clamoring for Garrett Nussmeyer. Maybe they should have thrown him in just to see if he could have rallied them a little bit like he did in the Georgia game. Uh, Jaden Daniels and, and Malik Neighbors seem to be completely on a different page. That's that's horrifically disturbing to me. I don't know. I mean, I they, they look like an 8-4 team to me. They didn't look very good. Uh, LSU, LSU running backs, 12 attempts, 49 yards. They did score a couple of touchdowns. But, I, again, Jaden Daniels was the rushing threat last year. He was on Sunday night, I should say, against Florida State. I, I just am not overreacting to this. Like I, they might be nine and three, but I think the conversation around LSU this offseason was: Are they good enough to be championship caliber? And that's why Alabama was the pick in the West. So I think they are what we—I mean, I don't know—they are what I thought they were, unless they tank and turn into like a six and six, seven and five team. But I don't see that happening. They I seem just, like they're too talented for that. There's, there's sometimes you see these, these first games, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many problems that we don't even know what to begin to address. But to me was pretty clear exactly what LSU needs to address in terms of what they're changing, like being able to slow down the run. And there's just very, like, to me, very clear bullet points of exactly what needs to happen. Some of it's pace of play, some of it's coaching, some of it is ability to slow down the run, and then it's closing in the red zone. And to me, it's like to have that checklist after the first game of the season, it sometimes is a blessing in disguise for teams because they're like, Here's our big corrections. You played against a really strong program. So maybe the gaps that we saw for this game really are some of their only deficiencies that we'll see throughout the year, and they can get them corrected quickly. Lane Kiffin or Dan Mullen, more likely to be the LSU coach next year. I, I think Lane Kiffin. I think that's that's a solid bet right there. <laughs> I control. Um, no, he's the Alabama coach as long as a lot of people in charge at Alabama are gone when Nick Saban decides to leave. Um, LSU, of course, will play. Uh, what do they, who do they have this week? Like uh, nobody this week. Grambling this week. Great. It's important that it's in state and everything. But same thing with South Carolina. Same thing with Florida. So South Carolina will play Furman, and Florida will play McNeese. So all three will bounce back from Week One losses. I, I want to sort of gauge what you are concerned about. Again, I'm not as concerned about LSU. I think Florida State is the reason they look that bad. I I, I, I said last week on the show the most pressure of anybody in co- of, in college football across the entire country is Spencer Rattler. I get it. He was 30 of 39. He had 353 yards, but their last eight drives, they scored a field goal. The offensive line gave up nine sacks. North Carolina's defense is not nearly as good as they looked on TV on Saturday night. That is a concern with Florida. To me, it's about how sloppy it was in year in year two for Billy Napier. So we can get into sort of the ins and outs of what we saw. All three of these teams will bounce back with wins this weekend, LSU, Florida, and South Carolina. So, I sort of want to work through what we think, how concerned are we, and what are we concerned about with Florida and South Carolina? You want to start, Mike? I'm just concerned about the whole damn thing. I mean, it was you're gonna be you're gonna be Thursday fine. night embarrassment, Saturday night embarrassment, Sunday. I, thank God the SEC didn't play on Monday; they would have got embarrassed then too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Clem- Clemson did that for him. It's fine. I mean, South Carolina, obviously, the offensive line was a train wreck. Uh, but I think North Carolina's got some good players. You know, Gene Chizik, 
He's not that good, I guess. But (laughs) I don't know. I'm not freaking out about South Carolina. They always start slow under Beamer. The biggest issue I have with South Carolina, something we said all offseason, is Spencer Rattler. And even though he was running for his life, I thought he played great. And that was with no Juice Wells. I I didn't see Nick Harbour on the field. Uh, Trey Knox was was essentially a a non-factor. If they can get some of these guys going, Leggett looked really good. Uh, Marion Brown, he had a big drop, but he had a he had a big moment. I think South Carolina will rebound. Their staff has already proven that they can get destroyed, and, and I don't think they got destroyed. I mean, a couple possessions in the red zone, they yep. may have won that game. So they didn't get destroyed, but they have shown they can bounce back from getting destroyed, and, and they play a lot better at the end of the year. So not as concerned about South Carolina, but obviously Florida. I mean, I I know I'm kidding with all these takes, but – I mean, if Billy Napier loses to Tennessee at home, if they lose to Kentucky on the road, Kentucky and Tennessee, these are teams Florida doesn't lose to. And then the the one you got to circle is Vanderbilt in Gainesville. If he loses to and, – and I realize I'm, I'm not trying to overreact here. I don't think they're going to lose all these games. But if they lose to Tennessee, if they lose to Kentucky, and God forbid they lose to Vanderbilt, you got to fire him immediately. With – When it comes to South Carolina, I agree with what you're saying, Mike, about, you know, there were there are a couple opportunities away or a couple of red zone opportunities away from the game, maybe be maybe having a different outcome. I mean, Braden, you and I, I mean, again, I feel like a broken record when we talk about the importance of the offensive line and the timing, like the timing that it takes for some of that to develop, like the D line with talent, individual talent across the D line. Of course you have to work as a unit, but there's something about the gelling of the offensive line that truly just in kind of until you figure it out, once you do hit that point, it's like, okay, we got it. Like we understand it. It's clicked. I, they're just not there yet. I mean, I mean, you could see it. What is it said? Like, yeah. Nine sacks and finish a game with negative two rushing yards. I mean, that's, Bad. that's not going to work, but I will say that, you know, just like South Carolina does and what Shane Beamer does well is they, they take it on, they take it on the chin. They're like, we didn't, we didn't execute well. We didn't play well. Of course, Shane is the first one to say, you know, this is on the coaching staff, but you know, they also, it just wasn't their smartest football. They didn't have great situational awareness, but I do think that those are again, things that could be corrected relatively quickly, but the offensive line is going to have to, gel together if because you just you you can't win games like that like unless the o-line's working better than that you're putting your quarterback in jeopardy they had injuries all across like on both sides of the ball they had a bunch of young guys in the game for a large majority of the time which i do think we should call that out because there's true freshmen and younger guys playing because of injuries so just lots of problems there but i don't think it dictates the entire outcome of the season for south carolina yeah, Andrew says a couple of comments ago, media refuses to believe in the Vols are as good as they are, so everyone <laughs> thinks the SEC is down. We'll, we'll get into that for sure. I, I think top the, 10? I was going to say, like, the media has voted them into the top <laughs> top 10. I, You know, personally, I may not think they're as good as top 10, but, like, number 12? Like, I, I don't know. They're, they're pretty well respected. I, I think, again, I don't think it's appropriate to overreact to LSU, and they, at least not yet. I am very concerned about South Carolina because this is the same problem they've had for two straight seasons, and they have figured out ways to win with the worst mm-hmm. offensive line in the conference. And again, you're right, Mike, North Carolina's got a couple of nice linebackers, but like that is still not a great defense. And South Carolina had chances. Like this is my problem. They got two turnovers and they had two interceptions and two points. They got four stops. It was like, it was 31 17 and they got four straight defensive stops against a all world quarterback in Drake may and couldn't do anything with it. 
yes, the offensive line is a bigger concern than everything else on the offense. There's no question about that. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Can we blame the chain gang? They were eating a hot dog or whatever. <laughs> sure, if you if you want to. I, I, just, I just think it was national. It, that's the one that's concerning to me because the schedule's so hard and you cannot fix an offensive line. You can't fix an offensive line in the middle of a season. It's not. It's not a position you can fix. And so I think you can. LSU proved that last year. I, their their running game was the problem. Like it was that way. They couldn't. They got better as the year went along because they were very young and talented. That's not. These aren't a bunch of five star freshmen for South Carolina, right? I, like, I think Tennessee also last year. I think proved that. I think a, a couple of first round picks. I don't. I don't think those are comparable situations. But offensive lines generally are impossible to fix. In the reg- inside of a regular season, you can always find a running back or somebody to catch passes or or, or depth on. You change your scheme on defense, but my issue with Florida is it, it's it wasn't what I. I mean, it was exactly what I expected. I thought Utah would line up and physically dominate the game in a very difficult atmosphere, and it was. My issue with Florida is the mental mistakes that they made pretty consistently throughout the entire game, and that is a reflection on the coaching staff. That shouldn't be happening in year two. If you line up and get beat by Utah on the road because you don't have enough talent yet and your, your program hasn't – like there's reasons you can lose that game and it's okay. You can't lose that game because you're like lining up on fourth and f- four offsides and giving them free downs. Like you can't – like, I, I mean – Maybe they need bad. another 100 coaches over there to, to I, clean that up. Maybe it, maybe they do. So we'll see. Some Sometimes when there's just – when there's too many things for a team to think about, if there's too much newness with a playbook or there's like, you know, it, it happens for a bunch of different reasons. Some of it's, some of it's youth in the starting lineup. And I'm not saying that's a problem for Florida, but it is it, a lot of times when those stupid, simple mistakes are happening, or you're lining up off sides. It's because a lot of this stuff isn't enough muscle memory for them. They still have too many things in their head. They're thinking too hard and they're not just able to go out there and wait for the snap and play. And so there just might be too much downloaded information in their head right now, because you just don't make, you don't make those kind of mistakes when you have the confidence. Um, Penalties, bad punts, lining up incorrectly. I don't think it's, It's I don't think it's, you I don't think, think it's much, I, that 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 concerns. That's the first like time I looked at Florida under Billy Napier, any Billy Napier team have been like, I don't know. I don't you don't know. think but, it's because they don't feel comfortable enough like with their own routes or with the playbook or they're not no, used to I, it enough yet? I mean, maybe Mertz has that excuse. I, I think maybe I, I like I just think that they're like at some point you have to get the basics of football right. And I think they were not getting the basics right. And that's I mean, it was sloppy. Now, not- now, I will say this. All these people in the comments, though, like, oh, SEC sucks. SEC's terrible. Mike's doing his shtick here about how he's pretending that like this weekend was horrible. This was the in my opinion. This was the 12th and th- and maybe 13th, two of the worst teams in the conference, losing to two teams ranked in the top 15 away from home, and the other one got beat by a team that I think is going to play in the national championship game. I just don't think the sky is falling here, guys. I think the SEC is still clearly the best conference, and I can't believe I'm turning into the homer now. Like I don't, wh- why are we panicking? There's nothing to like South Carolina and Florida were not elite teams. I don't, I don't know what we were. <laughs> They still got to win against these garbage ACC teams, I think. I mean, maybe North Carolina's a 10-win team. That quarterback quarterback sure as hell looked good, Drake May. That dude's a stud. That dude's Mm -hmm. awesome. So, speaking of uh, quarterback plays and studs, all right. Texas and Alabama, premier event of week number two. Everybody's going to be watching it. Obviously, they played last year. Bryce Young saved the day. 
Quinn Ewers looked really, really good in that game last year before he got hurt, and then then Alabama sort of slowed the entire thing down. Jalen Milrow, five touchdown passes, first quarterback in Bama history to do three through the air and two on the ground. 13 of 18 passing. I think he was over like 10, 11 yards per attempt, which is actually extraordinarily efficient. Mm -hmm. All three guys played. All three guys led touchdown drives. Uh, Texas, Quinn Ewers, they looked pretty solid in their debut against Rice. Ewers, I think he was 19 of 30, so he he threw a lot of incomplete passes. But um, do we feel different after watching two cupcakes with Texas and Alabama going into this game, or do we feel the same the way we felt all summer long? Mike, I'll start with you. I was terribly disappointed in Texas after all this hype. I mean, their defense looked good, but JT Daniels was awful, throwing multiple picks. Uh, I thought, you know, these all these quarterbacks, all these receivers, I heard all about this this offensive line and this tight end. They were getting stuffed on fourth and short against Rice. They play like that against Alabama. They're going to get their asses kicked. But Alabama, I was blown away by uh, how good Jalen Milrow played and yeah, I mean, some of the, the stats were not impressive, but I think if you watch that game, they were physically dominant and they were just wreaking havoc on the defensive side of the ball. So Alabama looks like the team to beat right now. And again, I'm just basing this off one game, but I think it that's probably what you wanted if you're Texas. Because I think if you would have kicked Rice's ass and Alabama struggled, I think that would have been a recipe for disaster week two. So it, it's kind of flipped. Texas, in my mind, struggled. Alabama looked great. I think that's the way you want it if you're Sark, just just to, I would to hi- take down the hype a little bit going into the – I mean, this game's already incredibly hyped, but, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be doubted by everybody, and I, I think that's where Texas wants to be. I mean, it's, it, it's hard, obviously, to, you know, it's hard to know exactly where Alabama stands as if you were going to play like a Georgia or any other team in the conference right now when you play a team like MTSU, but it, it Milrow's ability to not only – pass efficiently but also rush the ball says a lot more it says more about the team than just Milrow I mean that's a good indication that things are working well um like both ways that they're running the offense and there's a lot more people that are involved in him being able to run the ball and pass the ball than just him so I think it it speaks about Alabama as much as it possibly could when they play a team like MTSU but uh it, it we don't see deficiencies yet yeah, they didn't have like a, a a true number one lead back in that game. I'm not sure they expected to. Forty mm-hmm. carries for over 200 yards. They they divvied up the carries a lot. McClellan and Williams getting the bulk of that, and then of course Milrow at quarterback. But I, you know, it's hard to. This is what what's fun about Week One is it's hard to kind of know what you saw. And it's funny, Mike. You're like, oh, Texas struggled, and they they won 37 to 10. You know, but like I tend to, I kind of agree with you that they could have played better, and that does actually benefit them going into the game. I, to me, this is back to the Texas defensive line and the defensive front. Like, if they, this will be the first and maybe one of the best tests for Alabama's offensive line and running game. Like, if they have to put the game in Milrow's shoulders and put it in his arms to make throws because they can't run the football, that's a that's a bad sign for the rest of the year for Alabama. And Texas has some guys in that front seven that can that can make you work for it. And this game was not. I mean, Alabama was not exactly scoring a boatload of points in this game last year. Would they have like seventeen penalties? Some shit, crazy shit like that in this game against Texas last year. So, I, I, that, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a lot They're of penalties. Saban, Saban's, he found me. It's a lot of it's a lot of penalties. I he he's pissed off about the penalties. Actually, it sounds like a it sounds like a regular Nick Saban press conference. Actually, it's just him barking him barking at people. It's all, it's all that. <laughs> yeah, that, that this is eerily oh. familiar. <laughs> Aaron, uh, Texas um, plus seven, plus seven and a half ish, give or take. 
What do you think? Um, <laughs> mm, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I think that sounds, I don't think I'd bet on it. I mean, I think, I think the spread will be a little bit, I think Alabama will, I, I would go more like a, have to be a plus, probably plus 10 for Texas if it was in, in my mind, but I think it'll be more than a touchdown of difference, but I think it'll be a good game. Uh, man, I, I still have no clue. So? I still, I felt pretty good about Florida state winning outright. I have no clue what to make of this game. Yeah. Uh, I, really, I really don't because it's our first real, you know, Mike's been on the decaying dynasty angle and that's certainly possible. I <laughs> sort of feel like they're, you know, maybe gonna, they're probably going to win the division, but like it is, this is one of those where we're going to find out a whole lot about Alabama in a oh, big yeah. way, real fast. And it's prime time on a Saturday night. Going to be a lot of fun, but the matchup for me is that Alabama offensive line. Like if they, if they, on the, in the first drive guys, in the first drive, if they are if they are picking up four and five and six yards a carry on the first drive, it, it's going to be a long night for Texas. I feel that. I think I'd go the other way. I think it's more about Texas and their offensive line because they didn't look good to me against Rice, and they got. I think they. I just talked to our buddy Stephen Lassen. <laughs> uh, Week two a, preview every Tuesday morning on that SEC podcast. Big big advantage in his mind. Texas receivers going up against uh, Alabama's secondary, but. That doesn't matter if uh, Quinn Ewers doesn't have time to throw the ball. So yeah. we are, they say they got a first round left tackle. They say they get you know that they this is where Sark's been spending so much uh, focus on the recruiting trails on the offensive line. It didn't show it, in just one week, but yeah, that's that's where they've got to come up big. I think if they give him time, they can beat Alabama. I I tend to agree. I think it's a similar game to last year, though. I, I think it's. Both both defenses playing fairly well, and uh, whichever one I don't think either quarterback's gonna have a ton of time to throw. So to me, it's about finding balance and who can find balance. And I I would lean Alabama on the balance side of things with this one. I, I don't know if Texas can run the football to create that space and back those guys off the line of scrimmage for Quinn Ewers to find that time. That would be my that would be my. What about I don't the, know if I'd la- I don't know if I'd gamble on it though. I don't like seven and a half. Like that seems like a a dummy bet. Honestly. What about the Texas uh, defensive coordinator Pete? What's his name? Bujikowski or some something like that. <laughs> uh, is is that a big advantage? You think going up against uh, old Tommy Reese or Tommy Gunn? I don't know. That's a tough question. I don't think we learned anything about Tommy. Uh, they're going to want to run the football. He's if if it's anything like what he grew up in at Notre Dame, and we've talked about this in the preseason. Wants to bring that to Alabama, then there's a little bit more of that bully ball, which is what we thought with Milrow as the quarterback was going to be the case. So. I, I think the Texas athleticism in the front seven is it, it, it's possible that they can hang with Alabama's offensive line. Also, by the way, a, a freshman, you know, along the offensive line. So uh, to me, that's why it's the key matchup. If, if, if the linebackers are making tackles seven yards downfield in the first quarter, they're fucking done. Alabama's just going to hand the ball off the whole game. And mm. that could work. So. Not wrong. So there you go. Yeah. Andrew says hammer the seven and a half. I don't know if that's uh, for Texas or for Alabama. <laughs> oh, all these, they, they all think Texas is going to get hammered. I, you, I mean, are you, dis- are you disagreeing, Mike? Yeah, I mean, Mike, if, take a if, stance. If they play like they did, like I said, if they play like they did in week one, yeah, they're going to get it. They're going to get their ass hammered. But I think they'll be, I think they'll be up for this. I'm, I'm new to Texas. So I've not been disappointed by him like everybody else the last two decades so this will probably this will be my first time getting disappointed by texas i'm sure uh that sounds right uh if you i I moved to nashville from austin i went i lived in austin for in the 90s and it was uh 
they they weren't even that good. Like I saw Priest Holmes and Ricky Williams in the same backfield, and like they were like six and five. Like it was. <laughs> it sounds about right. So so it's it's pretty wild. So um, okay, uh, Richard, thank you for for finding us, and we will absolutely talk Auburn and Cal because I think Mississippi State, Arizona, Cal, and Auburn those are two really interesting games late night. Pac-12, SEC, just traditional rivals. Throw the records out, of course. Actually, I guess that's now an ACC, SEC matchup, right? Cal and Cal and <laughs> Auburn. Yeah, I guess. Um, so. so I think it's. I, I think there's a lot to like about the Texas Alabama game. I'm going to take Bama. Uh, roll Tide. He, I want to go A and M and Ole Miss okay. because Ole Miss has. They both had really good quarterback debuts in Week One against kind of nobody. At Jackson Dart was extraordinarily efficient. In the first half, got out of the game. Ole Miss, just huge numbers. I think they threw for almost 600 yards in the air. And then Connor Wigman throws three touchdown passes on his first three drives of the season with Bobby Petrino. They score on their first, like, five possessions. He throws five touchdown passes. The weaponry is out in force for Texas A&M. Well, now we find out about those two because A&M is going to go on the road to Miami and Ole Miss is going to go on the road to Tulane. And mm-hmm. before you start laughing at Miami and Tulane, both of them have really potentially – very good quarterbacks. Uh, Michael Pratt for Tulane is extraordinary, and Tyler Van Dyke used to be good. We'll find out <laughs> if he's any good this weekend. Which one are you buying more? Which one are you concerned about? I think they both. I think both SEC teams win, but I'd be more concerned about Ole Miss, frankly, than I would Texas A&M. I just wish I had my A&M towel here. I left it in Nashville. Otherwise, I'd be swinging it right now because <laughs> I think Connor Wigman can win the Heisman. I think A&M can win the SEC. The, the way they played. On Saturday, throwing the ball down, down the field, seemingly every possession. I mean, that was a thing of beauty. The defense looked great. Yeah, I'm a, I'm all on A and M. Now, I have already started to do a little research. I actually watched, I don't watch the full game, but I watched like a 30 minute version of the Miami uh, Miami versus get, Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was who it was. Miami versus Miami, and Miami they got some athletes. Number four receiver looked really good. They got former uh, Ole Miss running back back there who looked pretty solid uh the quarterback hmm, he had a bad interception though so I don't know I, I this is not going to be a gimme by any means but yeah I lean I lean pretty heavily on A&M it's definitely not a gimme I will say that I agree with you Mike that we're seeing Texas A&M move in the right direction which you know we've kind of all been staring at them with our jaws on the ground for the last few years being like you have the tools why can you not put this together um and and make it work which I know we all had some some of that we're like, is this coaching situation working? Like, is are the like, how is Jimbo gonna fare with like all of these new like position coaches? All of that, but it seems like it's working. I mean, they didn't score more than forty points last year, so to put fifty-two points up against anyone, you still got to get down the field that many times, um, which takes like stamina and execution. Um, I think I'm with you. Connor Wigman was like explosive. He was efficient, um, and with the like putting putting together performances like that like if they continue to do that like other sec secondaries will definitely need to uh keep their eye on them not that they wouldn't already just because of the strength of the program but they're a good example of what happens when an offensive line is working and there's already kind of is gelling together the correct way like you see that there's um, you know, the pockets are clean and Connor Wigman actually had space to throw. Like not only is he very talented, but he actually had the 
the space to do it. And Jimbo Fisher said this in his press conference, which is this is the opposite of what we've seen with Texas A&M. There were no self-inflicted wounds, which I thought was a very good way to put it because we've seen Texas A&M shoot themselves in the foot many times over the course of the past couple of years. So uh, if you're a Texas A&M fan, you should probably be happy with what this week looked like. Yeah, I think it's everything you wanted to see in a game against New Mexico with, with the new the new offense and the new weapons. I will say I was watching the the Clemson Duke game and watching Duke sort of like dismantle Dabo Sweeney and watching all of college football Twitter just so happy to watch Dabo Sweeney struggle uh, and just everybody seems to just hate Dabo Sweeney, which uh, you know whatever I get it. Um, I, I I I I always go back to 2020 Texas A&M. And I always, I know pandemic, asterisk, whatever, but like that was their best season with Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M. And it's because they got the best quarterback play, the best offensive line play that they've had under Jimbo Fisher, those two factors. But also Mike Elko was the defensive coordinator who's now the head coach at Duke who drew up a phenomenal game plan against Clemson and, and all of last season. And I think seeing the defense take a step, seeing the quarterback take a step and see the offensive line taking a step, I think those are all the things that you want to see. Mm-hmm. but they all get tested this weekend and we kind of figure out for real if Texas A&M is, is the real story. And the defensive coordinator has to plan for those athletes in space. Wigman and Petrino and the offensive line need to continue to work together. Cause the one thing I don't question about A&M are those dudes in space. Like if you get them the football, mm-hmm. those dudes can go. And I'm yep. not the, that that's the part of the thing I'm not worried about at all when it comes what, to Texas A&M. I think they crush wor- Miami. I think what they worries you about Ole Miss. What part of it? What part of Ole Miss's I, situation worries you? In this particular game against Tulane, it's the style of the fight that Tulane wants to play. Mm-hmm. And they've got an elite like Michael Pratt. I think had like two incompletions for Tulane against a pretty good South Alabama team last week. Mm-hmm. Tulane, Tulane was the best group of five team in college football last year, and they want to run the football. They want to just out physical you. They want to pound the football, and then they use their really veteran quarterback to sort of hit you when it hurts. And I want to see the Golding defense and a very well-coached Tulane team. I want to see what Ole Miss does against that type of a, of a matchup. It, it It's arguably the toughest group of five game any team in college football is going to play. On the road against Tulane? I, I don't know. So, um, I, I don't know. I, what about you, Mike? I, th- I think, to me, it's the style of the fight that would concern me if I'm Ole Miss because they're gonna they're gonna want to play in the trenches against Ole Miss defense, and we got to figure out if Pete Golding's made an impact. Mm, yeah, that doesn't worry me, man. This is I don't even know what league Tulane's in. Come on, now are they, are they ranked or anything? But they, we just had the polls yes, come out. Yes, they're you, ranked. You want me to throw that up? Sure, go ahead. They, yeah. they are um, yeah, that's nice. Uh, to <laughs> where did Aaron go? <laughs> I mean, it just goes in the middle. I don't wow. Know <laughs> My God! <laughs> I don't uh, see Tulane on here, but this I, that's it's, just it's hard. There to they be are. A, they're right there. Number it's hard 20, to be yeah. a female in sports, guys. It really is. This is what happens. <laughs> they put the schedule right over your face, or the, 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 Wait, the, the poll I, right over your face. There we Wait, go. Now there, there you go. go. Nobody wants to see me, or but yeah. can, you meet, can you mute me too? That's probably more important. Um, Please. No, I think uh, you can see the rankings there. Georgia number one, Alabama three. Uh, you got Tennessee at nine, Texas at ten. Uh, and then you want to flip me, flip me another one there. Go to the second round, second round there. There you go. LSU drops to 14. So they're down nine spots. I, again, I would have them in the top 10 still. I would have them at number 10. Uh, I still think they're better than the, the teams that are behind them here on this list. You got to go 17, Oklahoma, number 20, Ole Miss. Uh, they'll play Tulane, who's 22. A&M is 23. So uh, again, I think A&M 
dominates pretty easily. I think Ole Miss will win eventually also. What you this got is, there? This is why polls suck. Clemson 21, Duke 24. We just watched that game. They beat the shit out of them. What, what are we doing here, people? Well, because, A, number one, polls don't matter. Who cares about them? And, and, and number two, at the end of the day, a poll by the college football playoff is the entire body of work. It's all 12 games, not just one game. Right, so. but we've only had one game. So what are we, we're, what are we ranking? We're who, cares ranking the, who cares about the poll? Who cares? I, just, I think they're irrelevant. I think I just proved that. I, I'm agreeing with you. Aaron, your thoughts on polls? Um, yes, it, polls it, just, it just depends on, you know, if this, if this podcast, if people don't start commenting with more dollar signs on here, we're all going to need one. <laughs> That's how I feel. I like that. I like that. Uh, all right. Anybody picking an upset in either of these two games? A&M, Miami, Ole Miss, Tulane. I, I am not. I think both teams win, but I, I think the Ole Miss, Tulane game is much closer. I just don't think – I think they will both come out on top. I don't know if Ole Miss fans will enjoy the road that it takes to get there. I think it will take a couple of years off some people's lives, but I think it will end up with Ole Miss take, getting a W on that one. Yeah, I mean, I could, I'm not going to pick against the SEC. Come on now. Come on well, now. Yeah, why would you ever do that? Um, it only happened uh, – Now I will say this. Oxford to New Orleans, that's a fun trip. Oh yeah, that's a fun trip for Ole Miss fans. I expect Hottie Toddy. Drinking. I expect Hottie Toddy to be out in force in 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 New, in New Orleans. That's a do they, fun. Do they have a good time. home field advantage here? I have no idea. Not not. I mean, it's fine. It's Group of Five level. It's it's. But they're so well coached. Willie Fritz has been there a long time. They're so well coached, and you know they were in a group. They were in a New Year's Six Bowl last year, and and their quarterback is an All American caliber quarterback at the Group of Five level. So it's just a tough. It's just a tough game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new stadium. The stadium is relatively new. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're going down. It's out there sort of on the west side of town. So just enjoy yourself. It's it's so much fun to hang out in New Orleans. <laughs> so so go down there early on Friday and have a good time and, and uh, just be ready for a what could be a very good game. I, I expect both SEC teams to win. But that's, go, a, go. that's another reason I favor A&M because I don't think Miami's <laughs> got much of a home field advantage. I, I think that's valid. I think Miami's got problems because Mario Cristobal is not a very good coach. He's a very good recruiter. But he's not a great coach, and uh, I think A and M goes down there and just—I think they beat the piss out of him, frankly. <laughs> so, so that's just—that's just my personal opinion. Um, all right, we got a couple of other games we want to get to. I want to ask you guys first, though, because we saw some debuts from—you know—not. I, I don't know what to call it a debut, but it's kind of a debut for Joe Milton. He actually played against the Power Five team, was not very efficient, but the offense scored a boatload of points, and he scored four times and. A couple of receivers dropped some passes that they should have caught. He also didn't connect on too many big plays. They kept the, the ball short around the line of scrimmage. Devin Leary at Kentucky debuted. I, I know it was a cover with six seconds to go in the game with a Ray Davis 30-yard touchdown run, but they did cover and kind of beat the shit out of Ball State, which is what you wanted to see. Um, Carson Beck for Georgia. Any other debuts in the East that, that really caught your eye that you want to address on the pod today? Ooh, you can go first, Mike. I mean, I, I think it was Tennessee's defense just looking outstanding. Again, competition not elite, but this is what I've been saying, man, that more talented, deeper defense than Josh Heupel's ever had, and I think that's going to go a long ways come the SEC season. So that really stood out to me, and the fact that Tennessee, I wouldn't even say struggled. I don't think that's the right word, but they didn't play as well as they can on offense, yet they still blew the doors off 
a power five team. I, th- I think that's pretty damn impressive. I, I love the, the, I mean, 52 carries for 287 yards and five rushing touchdowns. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, again, I don't, I, I still thought Joe Milton missed some throws down the field, uh, but it's hard to complain with a 49, 10 cover against the power five opponent. Even the Virginia does suck really bad. Like they're, they're not a very good team, but they did everything they were supposed to. Uh, the crowd was great. I thought it was pretty full actually for a fairly hot day. Um, I, my wife was supposed to go with me to the game, Uh-oh. but yeah. broke her, co- broke her collarbone. Why'd she do that? I mean, she didn't do it by choice <laughs> <laughs> just to get out of the game. <laughs> she, <laughs> oh, she's a Tennessee alumni. I can't loves- take it anymore. No, Haley likes football. <laughs> she loves going to the games. Oh, okay. uh, she doesn't want to talk about it. Like on Tuesday nights, like when I'm at home, <laughs> she might just not want to talk. I don't know. <laughs> she's going to. So this is the thing with Tennessee. I, I still, I think Tennessee did everything that they were supposed to do in the game. I think that's that they did all the things you're supposed to do is showcase the running game, showcase the defense, play in front of a big home crowd at a neutral site. Everything was there for it to be what it was supposed to be. And I think that it, that it was, I'm not sure what I learned about I mean, here. Here, here's the, you guys want to know what happened in the stadium. I don't know if you guys could hear this on the TV or not, but Nico comes in at the end and the whole place starts chanting his name like this. The the people are obsessed with this kid. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, up close and personal, he looked better than I expected, even though he only threw like two passes and ran the ball like one time. He did look more like an SEC quarterback in person than I expected him to. So I will say uh, we were down pretty low at that point uh, of the of the, the game. Uh, the people were going batshit crazy for Nico. <laughs> so my other question to you, Braden, what's the answer? One or two? How many Heismans does he win at Tennessee? Three. Three Heismans. Mm, I think he'll a bit start. Much. I think he'll a start. Bit no, no, come on, Mike. Not for you. I give him he'll, two. He'll he'll start in, at next year and the year after that. That's two Heisman. So then it depends on if he wants to come back and win a third or not. Yeah, is is what it, is what it, is what matters. Okay. Um, I, I, listen, they, Tennessee's got some big games coming up. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna find out about Tennessee. I don't think I learned a ton about them. Uh, Joe Milton averaging whatever it was like six point six yards per attempt is 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 not good at all. Connor Wigman was over 10 yards in attempt. Jalen Milrow over 10 yards in attempt. Like you, you need to be connecting on big plays, but the, the defense was forcing them to take the short throws. And that's what he did. That was smart football. And they won the game easily. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's um, exactly what you wanted to see. Otherwise, I'm I don't, you. I don't know. I don't know how much I found out. I, I feel yeah. the same. I, I don't know what, again, same thing with Peyton Thorne and, and Auburn, same thing with, Carson Beck in Georgia, same thing with a lot of these games. It's just so it's so hard to, to tell what you're seeing. I mean, I thought Arkansas, Mike, you wanted to see Arkansas's defense. Uh, they looked okay. I, you know, it wasn't. They forced a bunch of turnovers. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the team I was most impressed of in, in these kind of cupcake games was Auburn. I, I was really blown away because I think they're just going to keep getting better. I love Robbie Ashford in this system. He, he's a playmaker. Uh, and they didn't even have Jarquez Hunter, who's their best maybe their best overall player. So I'm really intrigued. Couple, I'm already looking ahead. I mean, they're going to beat the hell out of Cal. Come on now. The only thing that could affect them is, you know, the, the travel and all that. I get that. But I'm looking ahead now a couple weeks into the season when they, they play a and That That's going to be a hell of a game. I know there have been, like, a lot of doubts or, like, just question marks around, you know, Robbie Ashford and what he's going to be able to do. But I do think it's a good sign for Auburn fans that he's forcing um, – opposing teams other defenses to account for his ability to run and we can kind of you know force defenses to work around you it's it's a good sign it doesn't mean it's always going to work but it means that 
you know, he is, he is having an impact. What was interesting about Cal, and for those that don't know a whole lot about Cal, like Cal is not particularly a great football team, but they are extremely experienced. They brought back like 19 starters, and they just dropped 60 points on a, on, on the road against North Texas. Again, North Texas, fine, but they were only a six-point favorite in that game, mm-hmm. and they dominated, so they're going to bring a lot of confidence into this game. And so I don't know, you know, I, I, I think Auburn – I'm with you, Mike. I think Auburn gets better and better as the season goes along but we need to, we'll learn a little bit more about them this week. I don't, that's, that's not necessarily an easy game. They're only a, what, six point favorite, six and a half point favorite on the road against Cal. So they did look like a different program, which I think is the most important thing is they looked like a, like an SEC football program supposed to look kind of like how Florida didn't Mm -hmm. Thursday night. How about Mississippi state? We haven't talked about them. I was, you know, they started a little slow. You could see, some I don't want to I don't know if you want to call it issues but it was 20 to 7 at halftime and people were freaking out like my god what's wrong with this team and they dominated the second half only one penalty 23 first downs I think Uh, I mean I think around 300 rushing yards Mike Wright proved to be a huge spark for Mississippi State and we I've even seen some people calling him from the start which is crazy (laughs) Uh, particularly that doesn't, since, seem, that doesn't seem right since we just saw LSU can't stop a, a damn passing attack. I mean, you got to keep Will Rogers in there for that game. But uh, I liked a lot of what I saw from Mississippi State, and because I, I thought it could be a little struggle with all the transition, I didn't see much struggle from Mississippi State on Saturday. Definitely look a lot more balanced under um, Kevin Barbe, and then also for. What was I going to say about the? Oh, this is the first time since 2019 that their output on the ground exceeded their output through the air. So that's, I mean, that's been what we're four years out from that. So I just, I mean, that's what we, we knew some things were going to have to change. And it looks like they're making that transition without too much trouble. So if they can continue to improve on those both schemes of offense, they'll be in a better they, spot. They they ran the ball for 298 yards in the game. Just for some context, they ran the ball. That's a that's a basically a third of the way to their entire total of last year. Right. They ran the ball for a thousand, basically a thousand yards last year. It took them four games last year: Memphis, Arizona, LSU, and Bowling Green. It took them four games to get to 298 yards rushing last <laughs> season. They did it in the first game. Again, I get it. It's southeastern Louisiana. Uh, and the Arizona game, like th- they won that fairly easily on the road last year, 39-17. They actually ran for over 100 yards last year in that game. I do like the change up with Wright, but I think you're right. Like, let's not go crazy. Let's not throw yeah. the baby out with the bathwater here. Uh, almost eight yards per play on offense is pretty good, but again, against air. So I think Arizona is can, can score some points now. So this is, I, I think it's a much tougher atmosphere than they're used to. Stark Vegas will be crazy. It'll be loud. This is a but it's but this is a potential bowl team in Arizona. I, I'm not saying they're good. It's 10 point spread. Mississippi State's a 10 point home favorite. It, it's a team that if you can if you don't take it seriously, you can lose to. But if you take it seriously, you should win by a couple yes. of touchdowns. That that's sort of what I. So I do find Auburn and Mississippi State to be really interesting with their matchups this weekend because they dominated so thoroughly last weekend against nobody, and now they're going to play teams that you know that that aren't garbage. They're not good, but they're not terrible. I think for that Mississippi State, Arizona, I think that's really interesting because I don't know, for some reason, even if, God forbid, Auburn loses the cow, I mean, I don't think there's gonna be a, a single Auburn fan that's gonna be like, Well, we got we gotta move on from Hugh. 
he ain't getting it done. But <laughs> I think that could happen to Zach Arnett um, if they lose at home to Arizona, which you just said it yourself. Arizona, not a great team, but a average, you know, decent team. And I don't think they'll lose, but you know, this is this is a critical game to to prove that their first half struggles won't translate to another game, to prove that Will Rogers can, you know, fit into this system. What if they can't run the ball like they they did against Southeast Louisiana. How does the offense look? A lot of questions for this game. They, it should be a big win uh, going into SEC play, but I don't know. I, I think I think there's something on the line here for Zach Arnett. I, I, I agree. I think it's a game you need to show people like, hey, we, we took this seriously. They, Jaden DeLara is the quarterback for Arizona. He's a very, very athletic, very fun player to watch. He produces a lot of big numbers. The rest of the roster is not exactly up to SEC caliber, so – if you can sort of neutralize him and pressure him and get after him with that Arnett defense, then they should be they should be fine. But ten point spread over a team that didn't hadn't been to a bowl game in a long time at home, you, you can't lose that one. Yep. Yeah, you can't lose that one. Um, by the way, uh, quickly, uh, Auburn minus six and a half, Arizona or Mississippi State minus ten and a half, uh, Alabama minus seven and a half. A and M is only a four and a half point favorite. I don't think we mentioned that. And then Ole Miss is a seven and a half point favorite, which brings us to Wake Forest and Vanderbilt. And then we'll wrap up with our, we've got Arkansas. And then, of course, we've got Missouri as well. Uh, Vanderbilt trying to go three and oh, baby, trying to get I've, I've got the over three and a half. I need a I Me need too. a 10, a 10 point upset here <laughs> against Wake Forest on the on the road. They beat a they beat Alabama A&M at home. You know, it, it was fine. It was it was a win. I don't think I, they I, look very good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love it. <laughs> I'm concerned I mean, about Vanderbilt. I just took the yeah, I took the over three and a half to um if there was any hope, which is a it would be a lofty goal, I think, for Vanderbilt to be bowl eligible. Um, if for some reason that was ever a possibility, you would have to win this game against Wake this weekend. Uh by the way, Justin Rodriguez, we are gonna get to Arkansas in just a second. Yeah, we're coming we, back. We just to them. we just sort of we were kind of glossing over them to get back to them. I will never okay. skip Sam Pittman and you can mark my words on that. It's not happening. <laughs> Um, no, I think I, I don't, I'm not worried about Vanderbilt. Cause I, you know, I don't, I didn't have them going to a bowl game. You're not worried cause your expectations aren't high, but, but I did expect them to win four games and I don't know if I picked this to be one of them, but what, this is not a great wake forest team. They've had, they've, they're in the wake forest is in, in the midst of the best football that they've ever played historically. Like this is the best coach that's ever coached there. This is the best seven or eight year run they've ever had. And this is not necessarily one of his best teams. So it should have been an opportunity for Vanderbilt to go and make it a close game. If they do not, it would be considered, in my mind, a missed opportunity. So we'll see how Swan and company look. Uh, Will Shepard, two more touchdowns, right? Like that guy just keeps keeps catching touchdowns. All he does is the Chris Carter of the SEC. All he does mm -hmm. is catch touchdowns. Um, uh, Missouri, quickly, dominant on Thursday against South Dakota State. Defense was elite. Brady Cook played the whole first half. Basically, Sam Horn played the whole second half. Uh, they will play Middle Tennessee, so they're getting the the Alabama scouting report this week, and they're a three touchdown favorites. What do we think of Mizzou? Before we get, to, we'll wrap up with Mizzou and Arkansas, the the, <laughs> the historic rivals there. I mean, I, I was a little creeped out by uh, old Drink in the post game. Did you see what he said about Brady Cook? No, what did he say? He said, "If my daughter was older, I I would want her to date Brady Cook." How old is like, his daughter? Like I think like eight 
or something. No, don't, <laughs> don't love that. Don't eight love year olds, that. dude. Eight year olds. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 don't, olds, I don't know which one he's talking. He's got like four girls, I think, and they're all they're all young. So that I mean, and the fans are already like Sam Horn, Sam Horn, Sam Horn. We're done with Brady Cook, and then he's coming out here with these comments, and it it really seemed like they. I don't want to say set Sam Horn up to fail, but they gave Cook the whole first half, like you said, they're throwing it quite a bit. And then in the second half, they just ran the ball with Sam Horn in there. So it's like, how are you supposed to evaluate him? Uh, I thought the offense was a lot better with Brady in the game. So yeah. definitely more consistent for, for what that's worth. But then the coach comes out here and makes these comments. It's like, oh, that, that yeah, was a pretty he's weird. A pe- he's a petter ass. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I know big opportunity. And now that LSU eight year olds dude is a joke in my mind after one week. I mean, wow. there's a, there's a real chance that Missouri can win that game at home. I mean, that's that's the one I had circled where it's a likely loss. But if they can beat Kansas State, they could maybe be six and zero here. Uh, Kansas State's a very good football team. The defending Big Twelve champions, by the way. I I just I, I agree. The whole quarterback thing is kind of weird. There, it feels like he doesn't want to go all in on Brady Cook, but knows that he's probably still his best bet right now. Sam Horn, Sam Horn is like every other backup quarterback in the history of football. You're always the fans' most popular player. The backup quarterback is always the fans' most popular player. Like, that's it. Like, you're just – he's the bigger recruit, and, you know, they think he's supposed to be ready, and he's not. he wasn't ready yet, and so Brady Cook gives him a better chance to win. I, I agree if they beat Kansas State, then they could be – I think they can beat LSU. I, I don't think that's crazy. They'll play – don't they play Memphis in, like, St. Kansas Louis. City or St. Louis? Yeah, so – That'll be, you know, Aaron, you're in Memphis. You're from Memphis. So mm-hmm. I've got my John Morant shirt on, Jaron Jackson here. But um, I think I think Missouri's got tough, tougher games than we think with Kansas State and Memphis. And then, uh, but if they were to come out of it undefeated, watch out. That defense is scary good. So. I mean, I, we just can't see Missouri in the position that they're in just can't be leaving points on the table with the field goal unit or otherwise. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, if that's, yeah, that's, that's my main comment about them. I, I understand that it's hard to evaluate, like how you just evaluate those two quarterbacks with the, the difference in like the scheme from first half to second half in terms of running game versus passing game. Um, I understand what he's saying in the post game press conference when he said Brady's more consistent, but it's also hard to judge. And then you just can't leave, you can't leave points on the table. And he said that yeah. too. All right, you guys want to rave about Sam Pittman, KJ Jefferson, and the Arkansas defense for a second just to give the good folks what they want? Sure. <laughs> I mean, when they scored a touchdown on the first play of the game, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't think it's going to be very competitive. And it, it clearly <laughs> wasn't. But I was a little concerned at the lack of their ability to run the ball, which yeah, against ro- an rockets, opponent like that, yeah. you, should just, you should just steamroll them. Uh, now, they said – I heard people say, well, they had a couple linemen out. The entire – Front five could be out. They, you should still be able to run the ball on that team for a Sam Pittman program. So that was a little concerning. You know, forced forced a bunch of turnovers. That was good. That's what you want to see. But still, they gave up, uh, I think it was six pass plays of over 15 yards. Yeah. And this was obviously a concern last year. I'm not saying it's going to be a concern all year long, but can't have that. I mean, that's the number one thing I think we got to clean up. I mean, 6.2 yards on offense per play is fine. It, it's not elite, but it's fine. You basically look at the – if you compare Auburn and, and Arkansas and you compare the box scores, and they basically won by the exact same score, right? Auburn 59-14, to 14, Arkansas 56-13. They ran roughly the same amount of plays. 
Auburn had more than 120 yards more of offense. Like they were averaging more than a yard per play more than Arkansas. Like I, I agree. You kind of saw you tune in you to watch Rocket Sanders break off long runs, and they didn't really do that a lot. Um, so I don't know. I, I think this. They're, look, they're a 38 point favorite against Kent State. Kent State's had like I've never seen this. Aaron, you know, I've been working for Athlon Sports since since 2007 for almost 20 mm-hmm. years now, and. I have never seen a team with zero returning starters. Kent, Kent, Kent State had zero returning starters. You know how hard it is to do that? It's so not zero, easy. Zero returning starters last week in their season debut, and now they got to go to Arkansas. So 38, um, point, 38 point spread for the Hogs. I, I Sam Pittman talked a lot about you know running backs just trying too hard to make a big play. Uh, instead of taking what the defense gave them. And I thought that's a good point. He also went into some detail in his post-game press conference about the linemen wasting some two-on-one opportunities. It's really interesting to hear him. If you ever want to like know what's you know really going on, these post-game press conferences, and even the Tuesday morning ones, if a lot of schools do them on Tuesday morning leading into the next week, about knowing once the coaches have gotten the chance to watch film, they are like especially enlightening. So Sam talked about, um, you know, rushing onto the next level instead of holding on to blocks. And he talks a lot about shoulder placement and positioning. So if you want to know about, you know, how their line is working and what Sam Pittman thinks that that post-game press conference and the Tuesday morning one is like really enlightening. I think a lot of, there's just some easy corrections they can make and making sure they're absolutely capitalizing on those two-on-one opportunities because they shouldn't be missing those. But yeah, I mean, Ken, Ken says we got running backs need to know who the wide receivers are. I think that was the question. Yep all of us were asking going into the season. I know Sam was talking, Sam Pittman was talking a lot about all the transfers playing well in camp. Well, they need to show up. And then go hog says we couldn't run the ball. Even if they load the box, we should have a push. Sam said they didn't plan on it. Uh, that's a lie. <laughs> Sam, I'm not sure there's going to be a single football game in which Sam Pittman does not want to run the football. Mm-hmm. Like just philosophically. I feel like there's not ever going to be like, I that. agree, uh, but I agree with Andrew KJ Jefferson did look, like he was in complete control of the mm-hmm. Danino of the Danino's offense. So agreed. Um, Let me tell you why that's nonsense. So, thirty six rushing attempts and twenty five pass attempts. So you, we're trying to find our receivers by running it more. I mean that that's illogical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the well, what what Ken was saying was that they need to find figure out who the receivers are. He didn't say that's what they did this week. Right. But well, so then wouldn't you throw it fifty times and not run the ball? Uh, I mean, in theory. But you got to win a. You also got to win a football game and do and want and get good at what you want to do best, which is right. run the football too. I mean, it's it's you can get, you can outsmart yourself as an offensive play caller in games like that pretty fast. I I feel like sometimes. Just so. thank God Kendall Browse is gone. He's that's already been a disaster for TCU. Kendall, I try to tell you that Kendall Bryles is not well respected in oh, I, I in coaching know. circles. He is not. His <laughs> offense is not well respected. He's not respected in a lot of circles. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> more than just more than just the play calling circles. You talking about um, like human, human being circles? Yep. 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 Well, I that like was more the, the TCU defense. <laughs> uh, also, think we had like some good participation today. Also, Ken, shout out to Ken. Twenty dollars hey, hogs yeah, he contribution. Gave, he gave Mike twenty bucks. He needs to give give us some cash. Is what he needs to do. Oh, he um, gave it straight to Mike. All of it goes to Mike. Mike gets, Mike makes all the money on this. What? <laughs> I can we stay on for that? a second after the show? <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> um. Anyway, you guys, you guys have been great. I, listen, I think we are. 
This is the fastest regular season in the history of sports. So just enjoy each week that we got and don't go too crazy. Don't go too crazy with the LSU panic. I think you could panic a little bit about South Carolina and maybe a little bit more about Florida. Uh, but we'll find out this weekend about Ole Miss and Texas A&M and Alabama. We're going to find out more. And, and as these teams get tested each week, it's just so much fun to put the puzzle together. So uh, I, I, I've said it all along. I think this is going to be the most unpredictable season of SEC football we've had in a long, long time, except for Georgia. By the I, way, which we I, haven't talked about already. <laughs> I don't care how bad Florida looks. Let me ask you. I'm already looking ahead. I don't care how bad they look the next the next couple weeks. I mean, I'm I don't have any confidence that they that Tennessee will win in the swamp. Do you? Oh, just like as a sort of like battered fan syndrome. As like just, part of the last twenty years of my yeah. life. Yeah. Well, I was in college in 2003, I believe, the last time they went to the swamp and won. I do think that's a there's a mental hurdle there for Tennessee to have to clear. I mean, they're both going to play. Basically, nobody's Tennessee plays Austin P this week and Florida plays McNeese and then they play the following week right in the swamp. So um, it, it, this is that'll Joe, Joe Milton has not shown me anything yet. Florida hasn't shown me anything yet. Tennessee defense looks better, but let's see it on the road against a team. They should dominate like I, I'm going to learn a lot about Tennessee's as a program in that mentally. Where is this program? How, how Anthony, many points? Anthony Richardson torched them last year, by the way, in Newland Stadium. How many points does Florida need to score against McNeese for you not to be concerned? Or I guess you're still going to. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What if they score like 20? <laughs> if, what if, if they, they lose? Win, what if they lose the if game? They lose, if they win 20 to 3, I'm concerned. Yeah. But like I'm already concerned. <laughs> I'm already in the concerned mode for Florida. When you yeah. line up, you get a stop on fourth down, and then you just like take penalties on punts. Like, what are we doing? Y'all are trying to protect ah, yourselves, so, and I understand why. So frustrating. <laughs> so frustrating. I, I so Mike Vrabel's the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. He always says this on to, about everybody that plays on a team: don't do stupid shit to hurt the team. It's about self-inflicted penalties and and mistakes after the whistle stuff, lining up incorrectly. It's not about effort. It's about stupid stupidity. Mm-hmm. And I saw so much just poorly, just sloppy, poorly executed football from Florida. And that that was concerning to me. That was not what I expected to see. So I expected Utah to beat them. I did not expect to see a sloppy Florida team. So that that was that was something I learned want. on Thursday night. <laughs> With a lot of guys, key players out. That's true. Yep. Oh, oh, Utah, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Starting two, 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 their best two offensive players didn't play. Oh, they had three points total. Did y'all see the tweets uh, about Jaden Rashada? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> the guy that was supposed to go to Florida, and it was the big NIL contract, the controversy during the summer. He goes to Arizona State, and in the middle of the game, Arizona State, by the way, barely won on Thursday night against like a bad team. Mm-hmm. But it was, but at one point, Jaden Rashada had had two scoring drives, and Florida had scored three total points. There was a lot of uh, Florida trolling by the Arizona State folks out there. Like, sure, oh, there was. Why didn't you pay the man his money? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> they could have used him on they Thursday. You yeah, hate to see it. You really do. Could have used him on Thursday. Um, all right, what are we doing for? Anybody doing anything special for the Bama game? Like, I'm. I cannot wait for this football game. I'm excited. I haven't figured it out yet. I'm. I'm in a. I live in a, the woods. So no, there's nothing special going on I, over here. How's the weather up there in the woods? Good. You guess? It's awful. It's awful. 
I will be in Memphis with a, <laughs> I will be in Memphis for a baby shower with all of all friends who went to Alabama. So I'm sure it'll be, and it'll definitely make it interesting. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait. A and M. It's a good. It's it's going to get better and better each weekend. That week three, week four, when the SEC games start to kick in. Yep. All of a sudden, you got Hugh Freeze and Bobby Petrino on the same field making their SEC return on the mm-hmm. same day. Uh, we need we need Ole Miss and A and M to win. We need Alabama to win. We need to kind of see these teams build some momentum here because it's going to be just a bloodbath every Saturday for like nine straight weeks. It's going to be great. So uh, otherwise, make sure you check out all the other shows or uh, that SEC podcast from across every day. I should say. Uh, on the that SEC podcast platforms, podcasts, and of course, YouTube. You can check out this show, SEC Football Live, on the podcast feed. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can also catch us over there at 440 Sports. They got lots of other stuff uh, we got going on covering college football. We do game previews over there as well. So make sure you check out those things. Uh, and uh, I think that just about does it for us. Aaron, where can people find you? The Aaron Dugan on Twitter, Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. Wait, why is Tennessee, Virginia? That's that's a cupcake game and eight. That's was that not an ACC? I just gotta I gotta yell at Jerry real quick. That's here. fine. We can yell at Jerry. I um I, why, I don't. Why do we discredit one win but not but not? You know what I mean? I, I think you. I agree with your point. You cannot call a win over a Power Five team a cupcake. It's by definition not a cupcake. And he specifically says zero and two against ACC in those games. But hell, it was an ACC team. I thought. It, I will say it's it's not a. It's not a non-cupcake game, though. It's a pound. It's, not a, it's, not, it's a pound it's not a, cake. It's not a real game. It's, it's not a pound a real cake. Game. A pound cake game. <laughs> a little more weight to it. Maybe that guy was right it's at the beginning. You, you media people just overlook involves. Come on now, that was that was a <laughs> serious win there. I'm on your. I, I said I agreed with you. You cannot. I know, but call now you flipped a, it. No, it's not a real game, but it's not a cupcake game. It's in between because it's one of the worst Power Five teams in college football. It was a that's, real ass whooping, is what it was. That that it was. That take it. Was. it. Just take uh, it. There's no no questions. No no notes. No notes on that one. <laughs> Absolutely no notes. That no get, that SEC podcast, SEC Mike, all over the the platforms. You can get them there. You can get to me at Braden Gall on the Twitter machine. I'm going down with the ship, boys and girls. I, we just like Mike. We got rankings and all kinds of stats and stuff over there on those those Twitter accounts. So go check those out uh, for Aaron and Mike. Thank thank you for all you guys jumping into the comments and paying Mike for the show. We do appreciate it. I mean, <laughs> come on. I my, name, my name is Braden Gall. Let's see how long it takes Mike to push end broadcast. We'll talk to you next week. Everybody.